This scripture reading and the following address were part of the YouTube streamed worship video by St Paul's Lutheran Church, Box Hill, Victoria, Australia, on May the 1st, 2022. For more information, visit www.stpaulsboxhill.org.au. The Holy Gospel according to John, St. John, chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, have, you have no fish, have you? And they answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And so they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. And when they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal, charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and, said, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter felt hurt. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said to this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. 
This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace and mercy and peace from God our Father and with the restorative love of our loving Lord Jesus. Amen. I'm sorry I'm not with you today, uh, but as you might be aware from the Sunday Extra or perhaps you've heard that as my wife Sue is preparing for an operation, uh, with the encouragement and support of our leaders, we're just laying a little low at the moment to, um, to be as careful as we can in the lead up to that op. I do want to say a huge word of thanks to Pastor Phil, to Sue, to other people on staff and volunteers who are doing so much uh, in filling in the gaps that I leave. So please thank them um, too, won't you? You know, as in a time like this, as a loved one um, comes to a, a time of an operation or a time of difficulty in life, we sometimes tend to think a little more deeply about things in life. And I had uh, a reminder of a, of a conversation with um, one of God's surprising Easter conversations, I think, um, in Holy Week with uh, my hairdresser of all people. Um, we were talking about what Easter's about. She comes from uh, recently from a country which is made up of a largely uh, uh, Muslim population. And she made an observation that um, Christian faith makes people good. We talked a little bit about that. And it was one of those things that we pondered. Does Christian faith make us good? What do you think? And we, as we talked about that, we wondered about, do we need this restorative love of Jesus every day in our lives? What do you think? A couple of questions maybe to help you uh, think that through. Have there ever been times in your life where you've failed someone, where you've let them down, where you've betrayed them to the point where, and maybe it's someone that you love dearly, where their hearts have been hurt, where their hearts have almost broken? Have there been times in your life where you've been hurt in such a way, where your heart has ached and almost broken because someone that you loved has, has hurt you so much? I know I have in both of those situations. Have there been times, do you reckon, in God's church where we, I, uh, you, have hurt others to the point where God's hurt us, uh, God's hurt, God's heart has hurt so much? Well, God knows the answer to that question too. And I, I reckon in our heart of hearts, if we're honest, we know the, the answer to that too. God's restoration then, even to good people like us, is a gift that's needed every day. And that's the story that we come to today in John's Gospel. In fact, it's the story that brings us to the end, the climax of John's Gospel in many ways. And it's important, therefore, that John tells this story, it seems, and for us to hear it, it's important that for God, that this is the story that brings the culmination of the gospel. It's interesting, actually, because as you come to the end of the previous chapter in John's gospel, it sounds like this could be the final part of the story. It finishes like this in chapter 20. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, John says. But these aren't written in this book. The ones that are written are there so that you might come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through believing you might have life in his name. Now that could be a good place to finish, we might think, from a, a storytelling point of view. 
But there's one more story to tell, this story of restoration. And it is, if you will, like the bookend to the beginning of John's Gospel. The Gospel which starts with some of those words that you, could, you might see when you look past the altar or to the reredos behind the altar, uh, from John chapter 1, the word became flesh, it says, and made his dwelling amongst us. That's the, how the gospel of John begins. The story of God among us. And here, the bookend to that story that God needs us, wants us, has for us to hear, is a story of restoration. So let's listen in. And before we do that, let's pray. Lord Jesus, send your Holy Spirit to open our hearts and our minds, our lives, to your restorative presence for us. Pour out for us your gifts and help us to receive them, your gift of life and love for us and for the world to take. Lord Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. God's heart hurts because of human sin. How do I know that? Why do I say that? Well, I think Jesus shows us that. He shows us that in, in the scriptures. There's a story in John's gospel as Jesus comes to uh, 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 someone that he loves who lies dead in the tomb, Lazarus. In that story in John 11, we hear that Jesus is deeply moved. Jesus is deeply troubled in heart. And Jesus wept. The pain and the hurt of sin is felt by God. And Jesus restores. We know the heart of God hurts in Jesus' words as he comes to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, whom I yearn to gather in my love, just like a mother hen gathers her chicks in her protective care. God's heart hurts because of human sin and rejection. And he sees in sinful humanity in you and me and all the accounts in the scriptures, people are like sheep without a shepherd. And he comes in compassion to restore. Today in our readings, indeed, we meet two people in need of restoration who are restored. One is Saul, who persecuted Christians, and the other whom we're going to dwell with in the word for a little bit today is Peter. Peter, who declared his love for Jesus, who confessed his faith, and yet who denied him in the early morning. Jesus comes to Peter and comes to such as him in us today as well. But before we join Peter at the early morning fire in John 21, let me take you back to a fire that we hear of in Holy Week on Maundy Thursday, perhaps. And Luke tells it this tells the story this way. He says the soldiers came and they seized Jesus and led him away, bringing him to the place of the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. When they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a servant girl, seeing him in the firelight, stared at him and said, this man was one of them. He was with him. But Peter denied it, saying, woman, I don't know him. A little later, someone else 
on seeing Peter said, you also are one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. Then about an hour later still, another, and this time the person kept insisting, surely this man was also with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And at that moment, Luke records, while Peter was still speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked to Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord that he'd said, before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. The utter pain and hurt of denying and abandoning one whom we love. Peter had made that famous confession, you're the Christ. He'd made the strong declaration, even if all of these others fall away, I'll never leave you, Lord. And yet he does. And I reckon heart, in, in a hand on heart, we know too the experience and the pain of Peter in our lives in various ways too. The ways that we've abandoned Jesus and perhaps been abandoned by others. The ways that we've hurt Jesus by hurting others and being hurt in those spaces ourselves. Hand on heart, we know the situation on the, of the Maundy Thursday fire as we sit with Peter, don't we? But our Lord doesn't leave us there. You know, we start our um, Easter day at St Paul's with the kindling of a fire, and thanks to Roger and Emily for doing that so marvellously for us. The fire of resurrection, the fire of restoration. And we met in the early morning by another fire of such restoration today as we, as we join Peter and Jesus. Jesus comes to feed, to restore. He first of all asks Peter, though, a question, do you love me? And it's a question for us. And I think it's a legitimate question from our Lord for people who have betrayed him. Peter is asked the question, do you love me more than these? And it's a question of comparison that Jesus asks. Is, it, is he asking Peter, do you love me more than these other disciples? Do you love me more than going out and fishing as you, as you call? But his second and third questions are pretty direct, aren't they? Peter, do you love me? Do you really love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Can you relate to Peter in his response? Perhaps we know the feelings of Peter. He's betrayed Jesus in the very hour he swore he never would. He's seen him suffer and die. And now his very love and his devotion is questioned by God, by Jesus. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know I love you. We cry out with Peter in the morning around that fire. And Jesus restores. Feed my sheep. Take my love. Take my forgiving, restorative new life into the world. For it is for you. Take my restorative love to the relationships that you have with people who love you. To people, perhaps, who don't love you, who would even harm you. I know you by name. 
I love you dearly. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Follow me. Peter restored. Restored to life to speak words which will restore others to life. Peter restored. Peter restored to follow Jesus even to the hard places that he may lead him in witness. Restored to live forever. Peter and you and me. Restored to life. Restored to love. Restored to live in God's mission call. That's us. You and I are restored so that our words can be moved from words which would otherwise perhaps take advantage or hurt or deceive or seek power over others. Words which now, in the love of Christ in our hearts, words which build up, words which are of grace, words which include and conclude and are liberally sprinkled with the gospel, with the good news of Jesus who is there in the, in the morning and the evening and the darkest of nights to bring life to people. God in Jesus restoring to hope. And as Sue prepares for an operation, I'm just so thankful for the love and the reality of God's life for her and for us. In Revelation 5, we hear today of the whole company of heaven praising God. And I'm reminded of Jesus' words which say that there is joy in heaven this day in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents, over indeed you and me who are restored, restored for life to take life into the world. We see the word became flesh and makes his dwelling amongst us and in us and through us. Can you hear the call for you and me and for us today? Love my sheep, for I love you. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Follow me, Jesus says. Amen. And God's peace guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life now and everlasting. Amen.